Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Oh, good morning. How are we doing today? Boy, they, they turned the lights on. I guess I better have something to say, huh? Well, I want to welcome those that are looking and viewing around the world via the Internet. And I want to say good morning to Pastor Mark, wherever you are. And Pastor Rick's probably running from a shark or something. But I want to say good morning to you today. Y'all going to have to give me some grace. It's been a, uh, quite a little time since I've preached. I've taken a break, and uh, you have to give me some mercy. I got to find my way today. Amen. Well, I, I really want to speak to everyone, and I, but I believe God has a word today for the believers today more than the sinners. Amen? Amen? I believe that we in the body of Christ, we are crippled a little bit in our ability to get through pain and offenses and differences, and God wants to speak to us today because there are many of us that want to be elevated but because you're not getting rid of some things, God cannot elevate you. Can I get an amen right there? Amen. Now, I want y'all to help me today because we've just come out of some incredible praise and worship. And many of you may have praised uh, like you've never praised before. But the question today is how much of your praise today did God really accept? You got quiet right there. Because what he's saying to you today is that I don't want you going around offended. He said, leave your offering at the altar and go your way and first be reconciled to your brother and then come and bring your gift. In other words, God is saying today is that what I want you to do is I want you to go back and reconcile with those differences that you have, your owies and your pains. And he's saying, I like when you pray to me. I love when you raise your hands. I love when you're serving me. And I love when you give me back 100 of the $1,000 I gave you, but leave all of that at the altar I wanted because it's mine, but go make it right and then come and offer up your gift. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> I want to set you free today, man. Because, God, there are too many in the body of Christ that are sick. And we have offenses and we have things that we will not get rid of. And so it sounds like what God is saying to us is that it is unlikely that God would receive your offering or your worship while you despise your brother in heart. You see, we got to get it right. He said, I wish that men everywhere would lift holy hands and praise me without despising your brother. That is what God is saying. And so today, I really want us to turn loose some things and leave some things here at the altar today. And oh, by the way, there is a time zone in leaving these things. He said, don't let the sun go down on your raft and your anger. So far too many sunsets have set on some of us. Y'all ain't going to help me, but I'm going to preach anyway. <laughs> it's far too many sunsets that have gone down. He said, don't let the sun go down on your raft. Now, I know that some of us may have a little wine with your dinner or whatever we do, and I don't think you're going to go to hell for having a sip of wine. Okay, I ain't getting no amen right there. I can get nothing right there either. 
But the bottom line is wine is not at its best when it first comes off the press. Wine is at its best when it has sit for a while and fermented and done its thing. And it's the same way with an offense. The longer you hang on to it, the more potent it is. You see, God wants, he knows the power of an offense. So that's why he says, I want you to get rid of it early on. Get rid of the thing. And so we're going to go over to John. I want you to wait for me at John 21. But I want you to know that there are many people that collect coins, they collect cards, they collect books, they collect paintings, etc. But sadly, in the body of Christ, many of us have become a collector of the offense. We have offense collectors out here in our churches, in the body of Christ. And so my assignment today is, what's in your collection? What have you hung on to? What have you collected and accumulated year in and year out? And we say things like this. Back in 1979, my boss fired me. Back in 1989, my wife walked out on me. Back in 2000, my sister did me wrong. Back in 1927, I should have gotten that promotion. Listen to me, body of Christ. The Bible says a curse without a cause cannot land on me. I don't care what you think about me. It is none of my business because a curse without a cause can't land on me. If I don't give it a cause, the offense will not land on me. And so what's in your collection today? What have you accumulated in your collection of offenses? There are some people that collect offenses. They love them. They won't turn them loose. They get up in the morning and the devil says, how do you want yours today? And you say, supersize my offense. I have to share it. (laughs) I'm trying to help somebody today. You're going to have to turn loose some things in this collection that you have. Let's see how we collect these things. In John chapter 21, verse 18, it says, Verily, verily, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, You will stretch out your hands. Now, this is Jesus talking to Peter. You will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you should, where you do not want to go. Now, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Is it on the board up there? I guess not. So you're going to follow along in your Bible. It says, follow me. Now, Jesus is talking to Peter. Now, watch what Peter does. He's an offense collector in verse 20. Peter turns and he saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him. This was the one who had leaned back at the table at supper and said, Lord, who is going to betray you? And when Peter saw John, he asked the Lord, what about him? If I got to do all this stuff, what about him? You see, he's collecting an offense. We have the ability to collect offenses. And look what Jesus said in verse 22. Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is it to you? You must follow me. What he's saying to him, I ain't talking to John, Peter. I'm talking to you. Why are you trying to collect an offense? We are offense collectors. We'll go out of our way to collect an offense. Jesus isn't even talking to John. He's talking to Peter. I know we don't have anybody like that in here. 
This message is for the church in Texas somewhere. I just left there. It's not for this body, I know, but hang in there with me. Get you some popcorn if it ain't for you. I'm trying to help you. We are offense collectors. And so verse 22, Jesus is saying, man, mind your own business, basically what he's saying. But look at verse 23. It says, because of this, the rumor spread among the who? The believers. Because of this little thought in his mind, that rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what business is it of yours? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? We go out of our way to collect an offense. Peter is saying, hey, if I got to do it, what about John? And Jesus is saying, mind your business and follow me. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane. Don't worry about what I'm doing over here. I heard somebody say the other day, the only reason Joel Osteen has a big church is because he says what people want to hear. I wish I could say what you want to hear and fill up that, a church that big. <laughs> people love a success story if it's about them. Why can't we elevate other people? Jealousy is crueler than the grave. Jealousy is cruel. How cruel is a six foot under that you can do nothing about? The Bible says jealousy is more cruel than the grave. But we take on all these things in the body of Christ. I'm not talking about the world. The world is just crazy. When I was in the world, I was crazy. I got mad about everything. You look at me wrong, what you looking at? What you want to do? I was stupid. And then Jesus came. Amen? Now if they're looking at you wrong and say, brother, am I gleaming today? That anointing popping today? What's up? What's up? It's a whole new attitude. Can I get an amen? amen. And so we see that Peter is a, uh, a, a, an offense collector. There are people in the body of Christ, every time you see them, something's going on in their lives. This is going on. That's going on. That was a woman in Tucumcari, New Mexico. Every time I saw her, she had a problem. And in the grocery store, if she was on aisle one, I went to 16. <laughs> she was always offended about something. Angry and jealous and, and mad. Let's look at another one in Matthew chapter 20, verse 9 through 15. This is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. Now, you got to understand that there were different times. How many of us know that if it's my money and if it's my field you're working in, I can pay you at whatever time you come to work? Am I right about it? It's my money, my field. Now, the starting times were at 9 a.m., how many of you know that's probably when you should start? At 9 a.m. And, and, and the owner is walking through the marketplace. He finds some other people. They're not doing anything. He said, what are you guys standing around for? It's 12 o'clock. They said, nobody or hires. He said, well, go to the field. And then he keeps walking through the marketplace at 3 p.m. There's a man standing around. They say, hey, what are you doing not working? Well, we need to try this in Oklahoma, huh? <laughs> he said, go to the field. It's 3 p.m., and now it's 5 p.m. How much know that's quitting time? Another man is standing around and said, why are you not working? He said, nobody will hire me. He said, then go to the field and go to work. Now, let's read this in verse 9. In Matthew 20, verse 9, here comes the collectors of the offense. The workers who were hired about 5 in the afternoon came, and each one received a denarius, which means that that is a coin 
that is an indication of a day's work. Can somebody say amen? amen. And so the, and when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius, a coin given for a day's work. And when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. In other words, now I'm going to grumble. I'm not thankful that I have a job and I just got paid. I'm going to grumble in my jealousy because you got blessed. Are y'all still here? Offense collectors. And then in verse 12 it says, These who were hired last worked only one hour. They said, You have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Did you agree to work for a denarius? We had a deal. Why are you angry when we bring in someone else in the church that may not have been here 17 years in the way, I might add? And then we raise someone else up. Excuse me? That's the Christian attitude. Excuse me, sir. I've been right here under your nose. Yeah, we know. We smell your cologne every Sunday, and it's been the same cologne for 17 years. <laughs> Are y'all still here? I'm trying to help somebody. And so we get angry when someone else is elevated. Why does she have this nice new Mercedes? And not only that, I wonder how she got it. What you do to get that? Weren't you the one praying for it? Did she not say, would you pray for me that God will help me get a car? I need a car. How is it that we can pray for them, but you cannot pray with them when they got it? You can't rejoice when they get it. You pray them to it, and then you're angry when they get it. You, you, you the one that prayed it in. You prayed for her. She asked you to pray that her son would stop drinking, and he stopped drinking. You prayed that she would get a new house, and she got it. Your prayer worked, Missy. And now you're, now you're jealous because she's blessed? I know I'm talking to the right people because some of y'all looking at me like, he must have been around my house. <laughs> I'm trying to help the body of Christ. Now, if you're a sinner, we'll get to you later. I'm talking about those of us that have the biggest King James Bible in the church, speak in tongues, raise your hand, I'm talking to you. <laughs> and you want to be blessed. God's going to elevate me. God's going to lift me up. No, he's going to hold you down. He cannot lift you up. And he said, take your pay and go. In verse 14, I want to give the one who has hired last, who was wired, Hired last, the same as I gave you. What business of it, of it is yours? Why are you jealous? Why are you taking on, a, on an offense? Why are you a collector of the offense? Can somebody help me in this house today? And the owner said, don't I have a right to do what I want to do with my money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? Boy, that'll, that'll get you going, won't it? And then he goes on, and it says in 16, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. What part of that don't you understand? You might have been in the house long before I ever got here, but God says, you know, he got here last, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put an anointing on him that you don't have to do what I need done. That, that, maybe that's, the, that's what it is. 
I know I have an incredible anointing on my life to walk into a prison, tell the devil to shut up, pack up, and get out. I know that. I'm not bragging. That's what I do. And the devil still shuts up, get out. We just left Bowley last Thursday, slapped the devil around, left, some men got saved. That's the end of the story. I know that. So who would be angry saying, how does he do this stuff? Why? Because God has given me an anointing that's different than yours. And so when you're talking about first and last, let's talk about King David. He comes on the scene. How many of you know that Saul had been there first? Saul was on the scene first. And when there is a need, there was a need to remove a giant who's standing defying the ranks of Israel. And the first thing David meets in 1 Samuel 17 and 28 the first thing that he meets when his father says, hey, go up to the battlefield, take your brother some cheeseburgers and chicharrones and tell me what's happening down there. <laughs> take your brother some food and bring me a report as to what's happening down in the battle. Little David comes on the scene and it says when he came in, he handed stuff to the attendant. And he said, what did y'all say that they would give for to take the, this disgrace off of the earth? What will be given the man that takes this uncircumcised Philistine off of the first face of the earth? And someone said to him, first of all, you're going to get great wealth. You don't have to pay any taxes. I would have fought right there. Yeah. <laughs> and then he threw in a girl. I know we got some men in the house that ain't, ain't got enough nerves to say, I hear you, bro. <laughs> you're going to have great wealth. You don't have to pay any taxes. And he's going to throw in one of his daughters. That's what Saul said. Now listen to what his brothers said in 1 Samuel 17 and 28. When, Eli, when Elah, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and he asked, Why have you come down here and with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You have come only to watch the battle. It was no battle. The Bible said they were paralyzed with fear. And the uncircumcised Philistine was hurling uh, uh, insults at them. And they weren't fighting. All they were doing was talking trash like a lot of Christians. I know you can talk a good game, but don't do nothing. And they were screaming, Goliath's going, your mama. And they was going, yours too. See, we can, we can chatter. Come on now, help me. And they got all this screaming going on. And David walks up there and he goes, what? You're standing around letting him defy the ranks of Israel? And that's what's happening when we're standing around arguing with each other. And the devil is taking our territory. While the church is arguing with each other. Christians are fussing and fighting and mad with each other, and the devil stands defying the ranks of Israel, and we're angry with each other? Really? It's quiet in this house right now. But I came to stir you up today. There's more in you than what's coming out of you. The rest of your life will be the best of your life. And little David got on that, on that battlefield and began to fight. And we, I just come home from dealing with my 90-year-old mother. Try doing that without Jesus. <laughs> and I go home, and I have seven sisters in that surrounding area. That's why I wasn't here last Sunday. I was in Texas dealing with that giant. 
And I walk in that house, and they're standing around all, all afraid. Seven sisters and a 90-year-old woman had them paralyzed with fear. <laughs> and I walked into that house, and I looked at the condition of that house, and I said, I came to fight. Some things got to change around here. They were saying, where mother don't want to get rid of that. I said, what, which one? That one? Hand it here. <clears throat> what else does a mother want to get rid of? She don't want to get rid of that bed right there. Uh, tear it down. It's going. Mom hasn't slept in her room for years because she can't even get in the bed. It's this tall right here. Like that tall. How's she going to get in the bed? She's 90. I said, tear it down. Get rid of it. All those vents up there, they're not worthy to be in this house. All seven of them got to go. They're filthy and nasty. This house is dusty and crazy. And, and Mama's just sitting there and looking at me like, go get them, son. <laughs> Do your thing. And so we throw that old bed away. Come on, somebody, you got to fight. You got to stop talking and do something. And so we took that old bed and threw it out and went and got my mom a brand new day bed at the day room and put her a flat screen TV in there and cleaned her room up and got her room all fixed up. Somebody say I came to fight. And then my sisters are going, how'd you do that? I say three main ingredients. I shut my mouth, opened my wallet, and bent my back. And that's what we need to do in the body of Christ. Shut your mouth, open your wallet, and bend your back, and let's move on with the business at hand. You say, ooh, it's early. He sounds mad. <laughs> I'm not mad. I'm trying to help you. Can somebody say amen? amen. And so this king would give great wealth, and David said, hey, I'll fight in verse 48. As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David did not walk. He ran in verse 48, he ran toward the battle line to meet him. Some people thought he was running to be killed, but he was running to become king. If you don't run, you ain't going to become anything. Little David said, no, 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 you don't understand. I didn't come to talk about your mama. I came to take your head off today. I came to do something. Can I get an amen? amen. And David wouldn't have done anything had he been standing there angry and fussing with his jealous brother. See, when you're taking on these little side things going on, the world is taking advantage of us. It's time for us to fight. Speaking in tongues is good, but bending your back and doing something is better. Reading your Bible is good, but living your Bible is better. We are in a time in our lives when we cannot just quote scripture. We got to live it. I'm the head and not the tail. And the devil says, boo, and you're through. <laughs> I'm trying to help somebody today. You got to get rid of some of these offenses and some of these roadblocks that have stopped you. And for every little tiddly wink, Krispy Kreme eating Christian that's angry and offended and mad at the church and mad at the pastor, you need to get saved all over again. Why? Because the enemy is taking you and he's just beating you up and using you when you ought to be advancing the kingdom, but you over here, man, somebody touched me. 
I remember my kids when we would be on a, on a, getting ready to go on a vacation and we wouldn't even be backed out of the driveway. She's got her foot on me. What? We ain't even backed out of the garage. She's touching me. That's the way it is in the body of Christ. We ain't even backed out yet. She won't let me sing. She looked at me funny. I don't like him. We just backed out, lady. And so he ran. And reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. And the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. And David ran and he stood over him and he took hold of the Philistine sword. He said, my rocks won't cut your head off. Can I borrow this? And he cut his head off with his own sword. That's what we got to do with the devil. We got to cut his head off with his own tactics. We got to cut his head off. And the Bible said that he took his sword. What if he'd have been over here fussing with his brother? You too. No, dad always liked you better. No, you messed up our whole family. What if he'd have been over there just fussing with his brother and the enemy is coming closer to the camp? You know what David said when his brother got in his face? He said, excuse me, what have I done to you? What did they say they would give? What was it? Wealth, a girl, and don't have to pay no taxes. He said, I came to fight. I ain't talking. Bro, leave me alone, man. I know you jealous of me because I'm all that in a bag of chips. I know you mad at me because yesterday I killed a lion and a bear, and he's next. He's going down next. See, I didn't come to talk. Yesterday, I killed a lion and a bear. When is the last time you did something for the kingdom of God? When is the last time you drugged someone away from alcohol? When is the last time that you invited someone to church? When is the last time you laid hands on the sick and they recovered? Then don't tell me about your owie. Sorry, pastor. I, I'm trying to hold it down. And tell me about your owie. David didn't come into town with an owie. The Bible simply says that he cut that thing off of the head of the, of the enemy and he came walking into town with his head. That simply means that anger don't have me. I've got anger. Fear doesn't have me. I'm holding fear in my hands. Backbiting and, and doing evil for evil doesn't have me. I've got it. I've cut it off. I'm in control of my life. I'm in control. Not the enemy. Not what you think about me. Not what you say about me. I cut it off. And when you cut it off, the enemy can't do nothing to you. If you'll cut off some of the stuff that's going on in your life, you'll feel better. You'll look better. And women in prison, I demand that they look better. One woman walked up to me and go, Pastor, I'm so happy. I said, lady, notify your face immediately. <laughs> we, are, we, are, we are the head and not the tail. You know why David had to get into this, this little deal now that he's cut off the head of the enemy? He's walking into town with it, and there's some women on the side of the road singing, Woo, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has tens of thousands. 
And Saul was like, what? You going to credit me with just some thousands? And you with him with tens of thousands? What could be next other than him, him getting the kingdom? And sort of Saul said, you know what? It's good to see some young men raise up. I was only to get some thousands. I was only to get some, able to get some thousands, Pastor Mark. But here's a young man that's come in after me. He's getting some tens of thousands. I'm going to say, boy, go get him, boy. Get after it. Go do your thing. I've killed my thousands. I'm getting a little old and tired. And on the scene comes in. No, he couldn't say that. Couldn't say that. The Bible says he took on an offense. And as I begin to close with this, I'm going to show you something. Saul, well, he was always telling David how much he loved him. So Saul is having some problems. He's depressed. David comes in and begins to prophesy, and he's playing the harp for Saul. He's playing music for Saul. And right in the middle of praise and worship, Saul gets up and throws a spear at him in the middle of praise and worship. Said, tried to pin him to the wall in the middle of praise and worship. Where'd that come from? Something in his mind says that David is better than me. David has more going on than me. He's collected an offense. And he took 3,000 men, 3,000 men to go look for David to kill him. And he's sitting in a cave, sleep, Saul and his men. See, the love of God, if it's in your heart, you won't do evil for evil. Saul, David walks in. The, the Bible said he went in to relieve himself, and there's Saul laying there. Takes out his knife and cuts a piece of his cloak off and walks away, backs out. How many of us know it was his turn to kill him? How many of us know it was his turn to get even? He had him right there dead to right. But greater is he that's in me than all this other stuff that's going on in the world. And he goes up on a hill, and, and Saul comes out, and David said, Hey, look, buddy, look. He didn't even say, buddy, I threw that in. That's what I would have said. <laughs> you know what he said? He said, look me, Lord. He called him Lord. Why? Because that position is still anointed. The man has lost his way, but the position is still anointed. Touch not my prophets and do them no harm. And he backs out, and Saul says, I love you, David. And he goes on a little further. Same thing, chasing after, after David, trying to kill him. David walks into a, to a cave the next time, walks over, and, and there Saul got his spear, and he's got his water jug laying by his head. David picks them both up, walks out. How many of us know he could have killed him? How many of us know he could have did evil for evil? Are y'all hearing me today? And one of his men said, hey, give me the spear, I'll kill him twice. I'll kill him two times. And David said, no, we're not going to do that. And then when Saul finally falls on the sword and didn't die, a soldier comes along, and he said, hey, son, can you run this through me? And when that soldier got to David and told him what he did, David had that soldier killed. And then he told him, don't even tell anybody in the city or in the country that this has happened. That's how much he loved his enemy. That's how much he loved him. Try to kill him. What are you collecting today? What are you hanging on today? Divorce is a crazy thing. But once it happens, we get crazy. I'm talking about even in the body of Christ. The mother don't want him to see the, the, the kids, and he don't want her to see the kids. If you're in the world and you're all silly and foolish, we understand. But not in the body of Christ. Uh -huh. 
It's time that we put something new, a, a new spin on Christianity. Talking and speaking in tongues and sending stuff out on Facebook, those days are over. It's time to live it. It's time to live it. Stand up with me this morning. Me and all my excitement this early in the morning. I need to be locked up. Stretch your hands toward heaven today. And I want to pray over you today. That some of you need to go home and write a letter to your enemy. That some of you need to call some of your siblings, some of your sisters and your brothers. There are some of you that might even need to call or write a pastor. And say, man, I've been mad at you. I'm out of order. Not coming back, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm asking for forgiveness. There are many of you under the sound of my voice. You are offense collectors. Today it's time for you to get rid of your collection. I love old cars, and a man invited me to, a, to his place the other day, and he's got $1.2 million worth of cars in a barn. And one great big old, two big barns, $1.2 million worth of cars. He showed them to him, saw him with my own eyes. He's a collector. What's in your barn today? What have you taken on today? What offense are you shining up today? Let it go. You say, preacher, you don't understand my husband did this and my husband did that. Let it go. My wife did this and my wife did that. Let it go. My sister years ago did this to me. Let it go. Turn it loose and let it go. So I got up this morning and I said, God, what else can I share? Over in Africa, monkey brain is a delicacy. And they got this man who goes and he puts a little hole in a rock. And the monkey can only get his hand in the rock and grab the fruit. And the man with the stick is coming to beat his brains out. And he's got the fruit and all he's got to do is turn loose the fruit and run back up in the banana tree. But he won't turn it loose because he likes the fruit. And the man comes and he gets him and he clubs him in his head when all he had to do was drop the fruit and run back in the tree. And all you got to do today to go back to your real place in life is drop the offense, drop the anger, drop the nonsense. You are a child of the Most High God. Live it out, walk it out, talk it out. Do it. Can somebody say amen? In the name of Jesus.